The We Are Wakefield podcast, produced by Wowvy Video, creating content to wow your audience. Welcome to episode seven of the We Are Wakefield podcast. I'm Claire Southerly, Managing Director of We Are Wakefield and co-founder of the Wakefield Business Awards. I'm thrilled to be your host today as we delve into something truly special, the upcoming second annual Wakefield Business Awards. I'm joined by two remarkable individuals who have played pivotal roles in making this event a resounding success. First, we have Louise Turner, co-founder of the awards and the creative force behind Wordsmiths Unlimited and awards writers. Louise, it's a pleasure to have you with us. And of course, we're also joined by the wonderful Christine Talbot, a multi-award winning presenter and journalist who's returning as our host for the second year running. Christine, it's an honor to have you back. This year, the Wakefield Business Awards have taken a giant leap forward. We're delighted to share that the event has doubled in size with twice as many entries and capacity. It's a testament to the vibrant business community we have here in Wakefield. Our event, set to take place on November the 9th at the stunning Tile Yard North, promises to be a night to remember. We're immensely grateful to our headline sponsors, Wakefield First, for their generous support. Additionally, we're delighted to welcome back Juice Personnel and Solupac as our supporting sponsors, whose continued involvement underscores their commitment to the thriving business landscape of Wakefield. This awards ceremony is all about celebrating the very best in Wakefield District business. From innovation and growth to community engagement and impact, we'll be recognising the outstanding achievements that make our region stand out. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Louise, Christine, welcome to Wowvy Video. Oh, thanks for having us. <laughs> thanks for having us. Great to be here. So as we always do on the We Are Wakefield podcast, we're going to start with an easy question. So I'll come to you first, Louise. Who is Louise Turner? So you say that's an easy question. I know. <laughs> and this is the one that's, that has made me scratch my head. Um, so who is Louise Turner? I am a lover of gin and sleep and I don't get enough of either. Mm. That's what my social media biog said in 2011. And I think that's still fair. I would probably add um, I'm a wife, I'm a mum, I'm a businesswoman. Um, and I'm also a massive, massive fan of words. A fan of words. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to start Wordsmiths Unlimited and Awards Writers? Yeah, I was in public relations. So I worked for um, a large supermarket and also for a government agency. Um, I did a stint as a media manager. So I would chat to people like Christine on the other side as journalists. Um, and it really helped hone my story skills so what is a story what's the kind of thing that people are interested in hearing about and reading about because when you're in PR you don't get to be the person that chooses what's a story actually the journalists choose what's a story so you very quickly learn what's going to get published what's going to get broadcast and what isn't and I spent 13 years doing lots of different things, including crisis media management. So I've done some huge Yorkshire floods. I've done a, an incident at um, a nuclear power station. I've done two large chemical fires and managed the media for those on behalf of a, a government agency. I've briefed number 10. I've done loads of things. And that background was the thing that led me to setting up Wordsmiths when I wanted to work a bit more flexibly around my family. And I wanted some more variety in my life. So I'd worked for the same organisation for nine years, loads of different roles in actually what was a big organisation, but I was ready for a new challenge. And so Wordsmiths allowed me to do that, working with lots of different clients, but taking those same skills that I'd honed, the writing, the storytelling, um, the kind of helping people figure out what their narrative is. And we just do all of that for clients in places that they own these days. So their own websites, their own publications, and that translates across into awards really well as well. Okay. And awards writer, so what got you to that point in the journey then? I left my job at the same time as my boss, a lovely lady called Lisa Mason, who I still see on a really regular basis. She's also a wakey lass. Um, and as we both left, she said to me, you always wrote our team awards and we always won. You should do that too. And so when I set up the business, I thought, well, I'll do all of these things. And it became a bit of a shopping list. Here are all the things I do and we do awards. And, and I never really thought about it as anything more of than and we do awards. 
until a couple of years in where I started to realize that there was quite quite a niche for it. There weren't many organizations specialized in it. Any PR or marketing agency will write you an award entry, but they don't do it day in, day out. And so I started to build a team where we would do it day in, day out. And we've worked for um, a mobile phone network. We've worked for international outsourcers. We've worked for Kellogg's. We worked for U-Switch. We had them on a shortlist just a couple of weeks ago. So we've done some really big corporate work and we've done some work in that SME space as well. So I think last year, my favorite award entry to write was for a family-owned third-generation coach company because them being on that shortlist meant more than any of our corporate awards to be Mm -hmm. honest Mm -hmm. so awards writers you make a living writing successful we do mainly successful awards entries um so how did it come about then the Wakefield Business Awards? Because we have to say that you can't write entries. I cannot. For the Wakefield Business Awards, <laughs> as you are my awards wife, yeah, as, I I, um, <laughs> as I refer to you often. Um, so what was the motivation? I mean, obviously I know this, but what was the motivation for creating an awards um, ceremony such as this? So it was twofold, really, I think. Um, I had always felt like Wakefield was in the shadow of Leeds as a city and as a business community. Um, and that it was really clear to, to me at the start of my business. I went to Leeds to network. I genuinely didn't consider Wakefield, despite being proudly a, a Wakefield resident and having lived here for more than half of my life. Um, and so when I did start networking in Wakefield, I realised how strong the business community was, how vibrant, how much life it was, how much people were really on each other's side. It felt like more of a community. Um, so that was the one thing. But the other thing was just a frustration at the lack of opportunity for awards as a route to telling business stories because there's so much amazing stuff goes on. And you can t- you can put something on your website and you can write a blog about it, but it's not a platform in quite the same way as awards. Um, and I'd seen the power of awards I'd seen what we'd been able to achieve for our clients so the the combination of those two things and looking around at the market in Yorkshire for particularly small business awards and small and micro business awards like mine you know there's three of us in my business and a, a broader associate team but on the payroll three of us there just didn't seem to be many opportunities and the the other big competing set of awards define a small business as being turnover under 10 million and Which only shortlist huge. and mm. only shortlist three and I don't mm-hmm. think that's a level playing field mm. so I was really on the lookout for uh, a brand to tie the idea to and it was pretty much our first coffee wasn't it where it we was. sat down in toast in Normanton having coffee and cake and went well that'd be a great collaboration let's do that yeah yeah and then obviously it, it moved on quite quickly from that meeting it did um <laughs> So for anyone who did attend last year or or hasn't ever heard of the Wakefield Business Awards up to now, what's different about the Wakefield Business Awards to any other awards event that you may go to? Um, There's a couple of things for me. We are really fastidious on the transparency of judging and how robust we are about people that end up on the shortlist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that we did that actually was using the independent awards trust mark process where they come, they have a look at all of our processes, they speak to our judges, they've spoken to some finalists and some winners from last year and they have accredited us with the top award this year, haven't they, for being um, robust and transparent. So for me to put my name against something and the awards writer's name against something, you know, our clients have to trust we're going to do a great job and I can't afford for us to be associated with something that feels like it's just, you know, trophies for your mates. Mm-hmm. And who and, and who would value something like that anyway? So it was really, really important to me and integrity being one of my core values that we set something up that was that robust and that transparent. But we also, um, and you and I had a lot of conversations about this, about how do we create some value for people just because they've entered, even if they don't make it onto the shortlist. And so setting up that judging um, process where you get your scores, but you also automatically get the feedback, which is um, what was great about the award. And then even better if, and that means that everybody that's spent any amount of effort entering will get some feedback from three, sometimes four independent people about how they could have improved. And and I think there's a value in that um, way above and beyond um, what you would get in other sets of awards. So I'm really proud that we did that because because it means everyone that enters gets something out of it, even if that's not a place on the shortlist. That's right. It did break my heart sending out those no's this year. Yeah. We, Like I said, we've had double the number of entries to what we had last year. Mm. 
So obviously there were there were more people unsuccessful in reaching the final three or four in some of the categories actually. Um, so it really did break my heart sending out those no's, but it really isn't a reflection on the businesses per se. It's a reflection on the entry. Um, but the competition was fierce this year, wasn't it? And that's what we always say to clients, whether or not you're on the shortlist and whether or not you win is about you telling your story in the best way, but it's also about who you're up against mm-hmm. and you're not in control of that. That's right. Um, the, so so when clients ask us for a guarantee, they're going to get on the shortlist or a guarantee they're going to win. There is no such thing because we don't know who else is entering. And, and quite frankly, knocking off the competition is a totally different kind of business. That's not the business we're in. So yes, absolutely. Double the number of entries this year meant double the competition this year. Actually, we saw an uplift in the quality of entries as well so sometimes not making it onto the shortlist was the difference between a, a handful of points frankly wasn't mm-hmm, it, it was. but the fact that three different people independently and on their own score these entries there's no sitting around a table group think there's no discussing there's no advocating for one uh, award entry over another it's entirely independent scored in in kind of little rooms and only you knew the scores up until frankly right at the last minute and and obviously i now know because we work together on getting the script together and Christine will now know because she's read the script but other than that nobody else knows and that's I think that's also a nice thing because you don't want to walk into a room already knowing you create you're going to collect a trophy because that's not as exciting as as the um the kind mm-hmm. of uh, tender hooks is it us is it not us kind of mm-hmm. feeling that you get mm-hmm. well we want to create an exciting event on Massively. the night as well don't we but it's such a burden I hate that part <laughs> it is a burden <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to come back to you in a moment Louise uh, um I want to talk about that kind of uh, robust judging process a little bit more and the toolkit that we give all the entrants at the beginning of this process but I want to come over to you now Christine so welcome thank you for having me thanks for asking me to host again I'm really delighted to be doing it absolute pleasure to have you on this journey with us it really is but I'm going to go right back to the beginning like I did with Louise and ask who is Christine Talbot so tell us a little bit about you Oh, gosh, I think Christine Talbot is several different people. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, in terms of what people know me as, mm-hmm. um, having been on television in this region for 30 years, people have grown up with me. So I'm a familiar face. and yeah. probably, you might say, one of the best known faces in the Yorkshire television region in terms of hopefully being a reassuring, steady person that they see on the TV each night. I'm not there, obviously, now, but... For many years, that was the person you turn on, you have a cup of tea, you get mm-hmm. home from work and it's the same team. And I think that for many people, I'm just someone that people have grown up with over the years, um, telling them the the news, good, bad, having a bit of fun and everything else. And I think that's given me a massive platform in this region to do lots of exciting things. And so, yeah, as I'm Christine Talbot, the broadcaster. I'm Christine Talbot, the journalist and um, the person that everybody feels that they know on television. But the other side of Christine Talbot is I'm a family woman. I'm a mum. I'm just like you, Louise. I'm I'm a wife. I'm a daughter to an elderly mum. I've got lots of caring responsibilities there. So um, there's so many dis- different aspects to who I am. I'm, I'm a friend. I'm very much a person who has a lot of female friendships. Very important to me. So, and I think all those things come together. And, and I think Christine Talbot is no different from in real life to the person you see on the television. I'm a person like everybody, like every other woman of my age, juggling all the different things that go on in life and working hard and and trying to enjoy life at the same time. Absolutely. And you really are down to earth and <laughs> as lovely in real life as you come across oh, I'll on pay TV. you later. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. No, I don't have to say that. And that, that's <laughs> the honest truth. Um, so you've had a remarkable career in television journalism and presenting. So what have been the highlights and the main achievements for you over those years? The highlights, I think, I mean, really, I have been incredibly lucky when I look back on my career that I have met some of the most extraordinary people, both well-known and not well-known. I've interviewed some of the incredible celebrities, politicians, you know, I've, I've sung with Gloria Gaynor. I sang really? I Will Survive with Gloria Gaynor. So I've danced <laughs> with Lionel Blair. Um, I have met many, many incredible people who I'm very lucky to have met. 
covered some of the big stories, many of the big stories that have affected our region over mm-hmm. the years and travelled the world. I mean, one of the highlights for me was a few years ago, well, quite a few years ago now, I actually went all over the world meeting people from Yorkshire who'd made new careers and lives abroad. Yeah, and what an experience that, that was mm-hmm. to, to have that kind of job where someone just says, off you go and you go for eight weeks. Um also, uh, the the stories that I've covered, I mean, I've met many people who've been what I call um, ordinary people with extraordinary stories to tell and become very close to those people and followed their journeys. For example, uh, Joan Lawrence, who is the mother of Claudia Lawrence, who's mm-hmm. been missing now since uh, 2009 and yeah. still to this day does not know what happened to her daughter. Mm-hmm. It, is a, it is a murder inquiry with North Yorkshire Police. But um, I followed her story, got to know her and her family very well. She's one of many people who I've been privileged really to be a part of the stories that they have to tell and have been close to come close to the families. Um, and I think... That you know, I wouldn't say the high, highlight is telling somebody's tragic story, but but it is a privilege, and I know that I would not have been able to do this or do these things and have this platform to help them if I didn't have the job that I've had all over the years. Um, I think um, so. Highlights in many ways by doing exciting things like dancing and yes. singing with superstars, yeah. but also. I think one of the big things for me was COVID because mm. I was able to tell, to be there, to be a reassuring face for people who often trapped and isolated in their own homes, mm-hmm. particularly older people who weren't seeing their families. And in a way, I was their family and my fellow presenters were. And being the one person, we, we, we only had one person in studio, but being that person trying to say this is what's happening but don't worry everything's going to be okay that meant a great deal to me to be part of being having that chance to talk to people every night and just be there for them and I got so many lovely letters from people saying just knowing you're going to be there at six o'clock when I haven't seen anybody for weeks and I can't go out I can't even go to the shops that was very special so yeah Yeah. and I'm sure that was really you know, people were really grateful for that familiarity during that time as well. Yeah. Like you said, it's having, you've become almost part of the family. Yes, we were part of the family. And I think sort of turning that telly on at six and watching calendar and thinking, okay, well, there's someone I know. And I know that they're going to tell me what's happening and, and, and tell me the truth about what's happening. But also we tried to keep things as light as well. We didn't want people to be upset and depressed. So we tried to get that balance right. Mm. And just for that half an hour, be a friendly face, really. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure it really did help and and support people during that time. So here at We Are Wakefield, we're all about collaboration. It's one of my favourite words and I use it quite a lot. Um, You've had some long-standing collaborations, including your calendar co-host, Duncan Wood. Yeah. Um, I believe you were the longest television... In regional news, we were the longest partnership, yes. Yeah. Uh, We worked together for 20 years. Um, But I've had many men on my sofa. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Who were misses. No, I mean, I've been very lucky. I mean, yeah. Duncan and I have a great rapport and mm-hmm. have always worked together very well. It was an instant chemistry and that's hard to find. Yes. It can, can take imagine. quite a while to get that balance right and be able to work with someone to the point where you know what each other's going to say next mm. and you know how to, if there's a problem, we can bail each other out or we know how, init- immediately know where to step in when when live television is going wrong and how to handle it between us. And we didn't even need to talk about it. That was just something that came very natural. And that is very rare, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been very lucky. I've worked with Jeff Druitt, who was a cal- well-known calendar yes. presenter. Mike Morris mm-hmm. for many years, who we lost a few years yeah. ago. Harry Gratian in later years, because yeah. when I left Calendar and Harry had left Look North, we kind of migrated towards each other. And again with Harry, I found that same special bond and that chemistry and that ease of working with somebody where I didn't need to we didn't need to ask each other what are you going to say next and then I'll say this we just did it Mm. so I have indeed I've had some great collaborations and Duncan and I are still doing quite a lot of things to uh, to this day together yeah and I've got a lot of plans for the future so uh, watch this space wonderful (laughs) I mean Duncan is still a very familiar face in this area he's hosted quite a lot of live events like yourself in in Wakefield um, and does an amazing job um and i just wanted to touch on as well um something 
very unusual happened in, in 2017 while you were presenting calendar you joined forces with the late great Harry Gratian when he was on Look North and the both channels co-presented yes. a special edition in memory of Joe Cox didn't they Yes, we we did. Well, Jo Cox, obviously, she was murdered in her own Mm -hmm. constituency. And um, her mantra had always been, we have more in common than that which divides us. So when it came to doing a tribute programme to mark the anniversary of her death, we got together with the BBC Look North team. And that made sense. We have more in common than that which divides us. People always assume rival TV stations hate each other and don't speak. That isn't true. We all are good friends. Of course, we're all fighting to get the exclusive on the same story. Of course, we all want to be number one because that's the nature of being Mm -hmm. a TV journalist. But at the end of the day, we're all still a team and um, this idea was mooted and uh, we we managed to make it come together and it was fantastic. I loved working with Harry on that programme. We had Joe's family with us as well on the day and hundreds of people turned out in the middle of battle. We did it live from yeah. there and um, it was it was fantastic. And it was the, I don't think it's been done since. I think it was just, it was a one-off for a special occasion mm-hmm. because Joe meant so much to the people of Yorkshire. Yes. And we wanted to say, well, that's what she stood for. So we will come together and do a special live programme, which which was brilliant, a yeah. brilliant experience. Yeah, and Joe's sister Kim now carrying on that legacy, isn't she? She's doing a great she job. She is, yeah, amazingly. Poor. I always felt for Kim because Kim never wanted to be an MP. Mm. She was a personal trainer, had a very happy life, but she's taken on the mantle, you know, in memory of her sister and is doing a brilliant job yeah, as well. Yeah, she is. So, what a yeah. great legacy mm. there. So can you tell us about any um, exciting um projects that you have going on now and yes well there's a lot happening i mean i left calendar i decided to step down from calendar in 2021 massive decision for me um obviously i loved the team i loved my job but it just felt the right time for me i had had a feeling for a while that i wanted to do lots of other things as well and um i just thought you, you, I, I followed my gut really and i think that well, it was getting to the point where I was starting to do the same things over again that I'd done many times before. Um, I was a little bit more restricted in what I could do because I was an ITV employee. Mm-hmm. And although I, you know, ITV is, is in my DNA, calendar is in my DNA and always will be, um, it just felt... Yeah, I can either sit here till I just drop off my perch or I can see what the next chapter holds. Yeah. And so I did. I took the leap. And um, I since then, I've done incredibly exciting things. I mean, lovely things like being able to do things with you now, meeting people, working with people, doing things I never was, I would never have expected to be doing. Uh, amongst them, recently, I hosted a day called Find Your Midlife Magic. And this came about through a group of friends of mine who I've worked with many times over the years is Annie Sturk who's a TV presenter TV cook and now in her later years has become a model Um, so she's doing well Rachel Peru who's a real guru for um, silver haired curvy models she's in her 50s looks amazing and is a big Instagrammer and Mm -hmm. massive Instagram following and Bernadette Gledhill, who I used to work with when I hosted a magazine show back in the 90s called The Tonight Programme. Right. Not, the, not the current Tonight Programme. Yeah. This was a bit like The One Show, but regional. And I was the host of that. And Bernadette, we had a fashion slot. And Bernadette was an ex-model and fashion coordinator. And she used to produce those slots on our programme. So I've known her a long time. And... Um, Bernadetta um, has now gone back to modelling and so I was meeting her with the girls for a coffee and we were talking about how at the age we're at, it's a funny time of life because I'm, you know, I'm at an age where I've got an elderly mum who needs me more and more and that was another factor in my leaving calendar and mm-hmm. needed a bit more flexibility. Yeah. I didn't want to be tied to a roster because she needed me so much for various things going on, appointments and things and she's quite immobile. And um, also you've got you've got children who, especially these days, children don't leave home in the way they used to. No, they don't. They're still there. <laughs> they still need you in the yes. way. And so I, I was juggling all those aspects of my life. 
uh, well, and starting to feel as well, I didn't want to be put in a box. I mean, I left calendar and I didn't want people to think, oh, you've ret- have you retired? No, I haven't. I just want to do lots of different things, yeah. try out new adventures. Mm-hmm. And we were all feeling the same way. And we just came up with this idea, which Annie came up with the name, Find Your Midlife Magic. And it does seem to have really resonated. And we had hundreds of women came together on a day, a, a beginning of October. And it was all about basically how do you get live the, your very best life despite society maybe putting you in a box because there's a certain date on your on your birth certificate. And it was all the different aspects from health to mental health, to physical health, to um, uh, everything from just fashion and style, everything you can do. It was like a big girl's day out, a big yeah. girl's holiday or a big girl's night out, mm-hmm. but all in one day. Yeah. And we wanted everyone to go away feeling very uplifted. And we had um, Gaina Fay, the actress, came yes. along and talked about her. She's in that situation now, uh-huh. caring for her dad since her mum died. Mm-hmm. And it was just that was what it was all about. And it was just about finding our mojo at a certain stage of life where maybe society wants to make you feel invisible. And we're going to do more of those. So that's been something I never expected to be doing, but it's been great fun, hard work, but great fun. I'm writing for the Yorkshire Life magazine. I am now a columnist. Oh, So I've got back to my writing roots because I did start out as a newspaper yes. journalist many years ago. So I'm really enjoying having, and I can write about anything I want, which is always amazes me. Oh, that's like, great. They just say write about your life. Yeah. yeah. So I'm loving doing that. Lots of awards. I'm actually in collaboration talking about some TV work coming up. Just filmed a crime documentary that goes out on Channel 5 in a few weeks. I've not got a date for that yet, but okay, that was about... you have done quite a lot of that before, haven't you? Crime? I've done some crime before. Yeah. So this, so it's a very varied life, but yeah. this is about... Um, it's actually a murder that took place in Wakefield right. back in 1993. Oh. And I covered it as a, one of my first jobs as a young reporter for Calendar. Was it Wendy Speaks? Wendy Speaks. I remember that, yes. So there's a yeah. document. Going coming out very soon on Channel Five oh, about okay. that, and I'm I'm part of that team, mm-hmm. and uh, so yes, very varied. What I call a portfolio career, yes. and I'm really enjoying it. And I've gone on and on there. So no, it's wonderful. I mean, variety I is the spice of life, it is. isn't it? I mean, that's one of the things I really resonate with that because that's one of the things that I absolutely love about my job. One minute I'm creating a business networking event the next minute I'm sitting here interviewing Louise Turner and Christine Tolbert in a podcast and (laughs) you know I feel that I'm really living my midlife magic now you know I'm 48 years old um, and happier than I've ever been both in my personal and professional life so I mean, I did a a webinar for the Hashtag We Can Project last week talking about how your pathway leads you to a certain point. And because you're in your 40s or your 50s or even your 60s, it doesn't mean that that's it for you. You know, you can, your pathway leads you to certain points for a reason and you can achieve that happiness. It doesn't matter what dates on your birth certificate like you said yeah I do think that's that's it and I think I know society always older women particularly have always been a little bit like oh well you you know you've done your bit go away now and we'll find the next generation and that's great it's great to have new talent coming on Mm -hmm. but there is nothing like the experience that we can bring to to any job and to and, and I really just think that if if we can get that message out there, I say sixty is the new forty. So uh. absolutely, absolutely. So I've got plenty of years in me. You have a long way to go. <laughs> no, that's amazing, and it's such a positive thing, isn't it? You know, because we we do feel, you know, there's some mornings we get, um, you know, I've got a bit of a dodgy knee and a bit creaky here and there, but you yeah. know, there's still life in us yet, isn't it the is. ladies? So yes, yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely wonderful, and you're a real ambassador. Christy. Well, I'm a great believer in next chapters. I didn't, I've never. I went when everyone said, Oh, because I was leaving calendar, and I think because I've been there so long, the retirement word came up, and I was thinking, Retirement? No, I'm not that old. And it's just a reset, it's a restart. Yes. And that's what I use instead. And definitely not for me. I mean, I'm not saying that's not for many. What one of the things with the midlife magic thing was, it doesn't have to be that you've got to carry on working. Mm-hmm. If you want to pack in work, or, or if you can, if you can do and want to travel the world, or, or basically just enjoy life at a slower pace that's fine too what what we were just kind of saying is don't be afraid to think mm. you, c- you can't do it you yeah. can yeah you can do anything mm-hmm. 
And will there be more midlife magic events? That's the plan. Yeah. Obviously, we're, we're still recovering from the other from one, but one. we are having a meeting <laughs> in a few weeks. So Amazing. yes, there's going to be, we're going to try and expand it. So it's in other other different parts of Yorkshire as well. Great so, yeah. stuff. I'd mm. love to be a part of that. Oh, definitely. Yeah I'll, yeah, I'll watch that with interest. So I'm going to come back over to you, Louise. So we talked about so our, our venture, the the business awards um and obviously our amazing collaboration that's that's brought this event together so i want to talk a little bit about the toolkit that we give to the entrance in the business awards because everybody starts on a level playing field we try to give people as much information as we possibly can and as much support as we possibly can when they enter the awards so could you share some insights into the process of writing a business awards entry and and how that could benefit a business yeah so what clients tell us is a few things they say that um and so speaking as awards writers where we are the external partner that supports them writing awards they say that it our our process and the award they come out with gives them a different view of their own story and a way to tell it in a way that is kind of compelling but also succinct because I think when you're on the inside of a business it's it's hard to see the wood for the trees sometimes mm. and that going back to my background in PR and media you know finding those threads that are the stories that's the magic and not everybody has to do that in their day-to-day lives but I, I've been doing it my team's been doing it for 20 odd years so we spot what those angles are and we help companies um, pitch that in a way that makes sense for them and for their audiences for their stakeholders for their customers so a lot of the feedback we get is regardless of how successful their entry is they end up with a much clearer way of explaining who they are and what they do and why they do it so that's one thing and a lot of businesses struggle with that a lot of business owners struggle with that how to kind of not so much an elevator pitch but how do you put what you do in a nutshell yeah. to explain to other people. And we're very British as well, aren't we? So yes. we struggle to shout about how good yeah. we are. Absolutely. And so if you take that understanding of what your business is and that narrative, you know, that's a benefit. But also if you write a decent award entry, it's almost a case study. You know, you could remove a few commercially sensitive details and almost print it as it stands as a case study or certainly the the way that we structure the um, entries that we ask for. So clients get the benefit of being able to take that written document that we put together for them and effectively add a few nice pictures, strip out a few commercial details and publish that as a case study. So Mm -hmm. again, more value. And I think for the We Are Wakefield Awards, we tried quite hard to be really open about what the process was going to look like. So every category had a description um, and they were different. Each category had a different description. So that gave you a sense of what is it that I'm trying to show? Because exams, it's like sitting in an exam, right? You've mm-hmm. got to answer the question. I liken it to an English comprehension that we used to have to do at <laughs> yeah. school. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. It's like you've, you've got to answer the exam question because basically points mean prizes. I can't yes. remember what, what, what yeah. game show that was. But anyway, that's what we're aiming for. And then we then published our scoring criteria for the judges so we there were five criteria and each of those criteria had a naught to ten and then within that so let's take results and impact for example we then said to get between naught and two points this is what on uh, this is what it looks like we're going to describe it to get between three and five points and and so we gave the judges and all of the entrants all of that information so they could see that to get eight nine or ten points in the results and impact category they had to have really robust evidence with numbers that showed the judges the impact of what they'd done. So so if you're starting to put that together, that gives you a really good sense of, well, okay, I now know what I need to do in this section. And if you just slavishly followed through each of those mm-hmm. sections, writing whatever that eight, nine or 10 description looked like, then you should have done relatively well Um, and and you know we keep the process under review and after the awards we'll seek feedback again of course won't Mm -hmm. we and we'll go back around and say well do we need to refine the process again for next year but um between publishing all of that the webinar that we did the blog that was written online that i wrote that kind of talked people through the the how you put together a narrative and how you put your numbers against Mm -hmm. it there was a wealth of resources out there for people if they wanted to invest a little bit of time because no me and my awards writers team have gone nowhere near any of the entries Mm -hmm. you know we've not we didn't even have conversations with clients who were asking well which category should we enter 
it's just not within my integrity to have us anywhere near it. This was not a this was not a business generation opportunity for us at Awards Writers. This was about I am proud of Wakefield businesses. I am proud of our stories. We deserve a platform, a soapbox to stand on to tell them. So let's create that. And what would you say are the most common mistakes that businesses make when they write their entries? Yeah, absolutely. Number one is no data. Right. And as small businesses, we don't have to collect data, do we? You know, we set up a business, we get going, we kind of measure the things that we feel like probably an accountant asks us about profit and Mm -hmm. loss. And and that might be it. So we are at a bit more of a disadvantage as versus a really large business that probably has teams dedicated to this kind of thing. But there is still always a way to quantify how many clients have you got? Why is that more this year? How many projects have you worked on? What's the value of the projects that that you've worked on? So we can all actually get to some of that data it just might take a little time um because if you're not if you're telling a great story but you're not giving any numbers and you're not giving any data then you're kind of asking the judges to take it on trust Mm. and some of them might but if you then put that up against another five six seven eight nine ten entries in that category that do give the data you're going to be the one that's in a a less solid position from a score point of view because you can't score eight nine or ten if you're not giving us the numbers to absolutely prove that you've done what you said you have Mm -hmm. sorry to interrupt your podcast but is your business in need of high quality video content to help raise the profile of your products and services We create quality video content for B2B brands who want more visibility in the marketplace without the extra headache. From live action, animation, 3D, live streaming, vlogging, and so much more. For a free quote or consultation, visit wowvideo.com. Right, let's get back to the podcast. And we do want this to be a useful exercise as well, which is why we send out the feedback from the judges. Every entry is scored independently by three separate judges on the panel. All the judges, you can read all about them on the We Are Wakefield website. Um, so if you're interested to see who was looking at the entries this year. Um, so I think that we do put it out there as a level playing field and hope that people take note of the toolkit that we give them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Christine, you presented the inaugural Wakefield Business Awards last year. Mm-hmm. It was a, a little event. It was um, limited capacity. We had 137 people at the event last year. What did you think of our first little business awards adventure (laughs) (laughs) well it didn't feel you say a little awards to me Mm. it didn't feel like a little awards it felt like a really exciting big event I was bowled over when I met you two by your massive enthusiasm Mm. and about how passionate you were about hosting these awards and that really I got caught up in that as well and I think on the night one of the things that really struck me was the enthusiasm of the whole audience everybody Mm. in there was really excited to be there and very thrilled when they actually won an award. Yes. Um, I, I loved that. And I could see from what you were telling me, you were saying to me, we could have sold this out three times over. Yeah. And that's obviously, that's why you've decided to go even bigger this year. Yes. Because you could and, and you've proved it because that's what's happened. And I think this is an event that will grow and grow and become a very integral part of the business community in Wakefield. I could see it on the night. It almost felt as if everyone, we've been waiting for this. This is what we want. Um, and, you know, cause I've been, I've attended many awards over the years and some of them can be quite staid. I think it had humour. It had, you had entertainment as well everybody there was really up for it and that's what really struck me on the night yeah and you did such an amazing job and I'm so grateful that that you're continuing on this journey with. well it's lovely to be on the journey with you and thank you for asking me back I'm really looking forward to it you're very welcome so could you tell us about some of the other awards events that you've hosted and and what you find rewarding about that experience as well because you must have seen some amazing very worthy winners over the years yeah I mean I've I've hosted many awards Mm -hmm. over the years and there are some though that I do do every year most years uh, such as the Yorkshire Young Achiever Awards which is held Mm -hmm. in Leeds I've done that now for 20 years with Duncan Duncan and I co-host it I kind of inherited that from um, Chris from the previous presenters at Calendar Chris Rackroyd when she was there used Mm -hmm. to do it and then I ended up doing it and Duncan came on board so that's very rewarding and similarly um, anything really involving a 
young children is, is always special. I, did, I hosted the Yorkshire Children of Courage Awards again um, for, I think it's the fourth year I've done that now. And that was a couple of weeks ago. And, always and a tearjerker, that one. It yes. is, it <laughs> is. Because <laughs> the children, you know, they basically are all children disadvantaged in some way, either by illness or, or something has happened in their lives and, and always giving back um, in their own way. And uh, they, everybody is wrapped when you, when you interview those children, the stories they have to tell, the standing ovations. Mm. It's, it's a very special award. So, yeah, over the years, I mean, they, they, you can either do, sometimes they are more corporate events um, uh, or, the, or the, the events which involve children or, or people, young heroes or people that are winning an award for a different reason. So every award ceremony is very different. But uh, as I say, that's that's really why your award did, I mean, not all of them, there's always something special about them, but yours, it was the massive enthusiasm of the Wakefield business community that, that really bowled me over and, and you two as well at the heart of it. So... There's something different about everyone. Yeah, it's a real celebration for Wakefield mm. and that's what we wanted to get across. And um, because um, the, the awards are open to any business across the Wakefield district, but because a lot of them at the, the first event, particularly where we are Wakefield members, everyone was everyone else's cheerleader, weren't they, yeah. Louise? It, it, it was real community feeling throughout the evening, wasn't it? It was like being in a room with a bunch of your mates and nobody yes. really minded who won. No. Like everyone was just having a fabulous time. Yeah. Um, and I suspect it will feel slightly different this year because doubling the size, um, we've had a lot more entries from people and companies that aren't necessarily We Are Wakefield members yet, I would say, because we, <laughs> we had some winners that weren't We Are Wakefield members last year who've gone on to become really integral We Are Wakefield members. They certainly have, yes. And to yeah. see the benefit of that, that mm-hmm. strength of network and strength of connection, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's the thing that I think think really gets me about Wakefield businesses is we are you know we're on each other's side in a way that I don't ever feel like I'm in competition with anybody in a room and that's not my approach at all anyway in business but you do find that sometimes and I never feel like that in Wakefield whether that's a we are Wakefield event or another type of event I never feel like that I think I just feel like we all we're all pulling in one direction and we all just want everybody to succeed so that should ripple across I think into the award ceremony and I think it's really nice to champion Wakefield I think you're right everything's always been a bit lead centric hasn't it or yes. even and if not leeds it's been bradford centric mm-hmm. and and I, it's so nice to have wakefield championed in this way and really bigging up the business community yeah and because it's fantastic and it's and it's also really invisible some bits of it i think every we are wakefield event every networking thing i go to i meet another person in another really interesting business mm-hmm. like oh wow and that's yeah. based here in wakefield yeah and so much of it we you know we hide our light under a bushel a little bit and I think we can step out of the shadows now and and step into that limelight and just be like, no, we can own this. You know, yeah. we're we're going somewhere and and we have been for quite some time. It's just we've been doing it quietly without telling anyone. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, and we're coming into our own now. I think. I think so. Mm. So, given your rich experience in presenting awards, Christine. So. What do you believe is the essence of a successful awards event and how do you contribute contribute to creating that atmosphere as a host? I think it's very important to be make everybody sit up and listen and um, be very inclusive about everybody in the room. I mean, obviously, being warm, being friendly, maybe making people smile um, is is so is so integral to a good awards ceremony. Keeping the buzz going, yes. keeping it going, pacey. One of the things I always say is don't don't let there be a lull in proceedings mm-hmm. because people will go off and be on the phone, they'll be outside. People will start to lose interest and keeping it going at quite a pace. And I think that's what one of the important things is with a live event is basically going with the flow a little bit. So even if you're safe, say if you're running 10, 15 minutes early for whatever reason, mm-hmm. not thinking, oh, we've now got to wait 10 minutes before because it's the running order says that starts at, say, eight o'clock and it's only quarter to because that's when you lose people. Yes. So keep going, keep it pacey. You can always fill in a bit of time later because I know sometimes the other thing is the food has to be all served at a certain time. Right. So you don't want to frighten the kitchen <laughs> by suddenly saying, oh, we've finished 10, 10 minutes early or we've overrun 10 minutes of keeping things to time so everything goes like clockwork and that there's a little bit of an art to doing that mm-hmm. and and you know knowing where to fill and ad lib where to when to react to what's happening say something's happening on stage that you weren't expecting someone 
someone, you know, could do something funny. There could be something going on at one part of the room. Uh, lots of cheering. The, the, the key is to react to everything that's happening mm-hmm. and keeping your... I'm not thinking, oh, I have got to follow exactly what's next on the script. So because that can make it look stilted and a bit uncomfortable for people. Yeah. I think keeping it relaxed, upbeat, happy and pacey is the key to to making a ceremony work as an award presenter. And that comes with experience. It does. It's something when you first... I mean, it's terrifying sometimes. I mean, I always say it's really funny. I get more nervous, really, hosting an award ceremony or an event where I can see everybody's eyes looking at me. (laughs) It's far more scary than sitting in front of a TV camera in the calendar studio, even though you know... Many, many people are sitting watching you and probably judging you and they can see you in close up, they can see every little stray hair or oh, her makeup's looking a bit dodgy today. I don't really care about that so much because they can't look at me and tell yeah, me. that's right. It's when I go into a big room and everybody's eyes are on you and they're mm. all waiting for you to make their evening special. It's quite nerve-wracking at times yeah. and that does only come with experience, yeah, that you can do it and do it in a relaxed way. But also shows that you care if you feel like that that's about right. it. If you, yeah. if you didn't care about it, you wouldn't feel quite so invested in it, would you? So no, I... I think I, that comes across in your presenting carry, style. It does It matters that I... I want, I want to go away and think yeah I mean obviously the, the whole award is an experience but I want people to have had a good time yeah. and want to come back again next year that's what it's all about as well so yeah. one of the standout memories for me in the way you presented last year was the way you engaged with rhubarb radio on the night as well because <laughs> they they covered the event live um, there are media partners, local uh, Wakefield radio station, but you connected really well with the rhubarb team in the room that night as well and got everybody cheering for the radio. Yeah. And it just added to the atmosphere and, yeah. and it was amazing that, you know, you can, you've got that experience and that confidence to go off script and, and really react with the room, like you said. That is it. it yeah. It's about you've got to be ready to react to any situation uh-huh. and, and make a joke of it if you have to or make yeah. it light Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, I've been in situations where you'll have a heckler or someone shouting things out. You've got to know how to deal with that. And yeah, because people you know, have without a drink causing as well. offense. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. keeping one mm-hmm. of the big things with, with big events, particularly, is people sitting at the back of the room or on the outer edge almost don't always feel engaged yes. with the rest of the Holding room. Holding a room is a skill. It's mm. a, and you, they'll start chatting amongst themselves and that's fine. You want them to have a good time. But you don't want them to be doing that when you're trying to tell someone's story on stage mm-hmm. and you want that person to have their moment. You yes. don't want half the room not ignoring what's going on. Absolutely. So it's, it's keeping everybody on track and knowing how to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it really is an art form. It really is. Um, so looking towards the event, so mm-hmm. it's the 9th of November at Talyard North. I'm, I've, I've got a mixture of nerves, anxiety, excitement, everything you can possibly imagine for that event. It's going to be amazing. Um, I'm really looking forward to working with the both of you on the night. Um it's so excited for everyone that's so exciting for everyone that's involved, including the finalists. Um, so that's coming up shortly. We end the We Are Wakefield podcast on every episode with a top tip for twenty three. So there's not much of the year left. It's flying by. <laughs> so it can be a top tip for twenty three stroke twenty four. So, Louise, I'll come to you first. What would be your top tip for 23? So my top tip for 23 is about variety. So it's one of my core values. And um, it was one of the things that lockdown taught me, actually, that was even more important than I thought was my kind of walking out of my front door and only having a limited number of places to go to. And as lucky as we are to be able to be close to the canal and close to fields and, and woods and stuff, I felt very, very privileged. But I find that running a business, I've got two teenagers, husband at home, dog to walk, you know, that life is busy. And it's the variety of places where I am and a kind of a different scenario, a different landscape, a different view that allows my brain time to rest a little bit. Mm -hmm. And once my brain can rest, my subconscious does its magic and the great ideas happen. So I've just had a few days away in Edinburgh. I had some really heavy traffic in my email on Friday about work, which I did think about a little bit. And then suddenly got on the train yesterday morning to come home and went, I haven't thought about work at all for like 
48 hours. That's amazing. It's mm. because I was I was entranced by the variety of the new things I was seeing in the different stuff. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, a weekend away totally different. It could just be a slightly different walk or a different person to spend time with. But I find that that variety of environment and also people and landscape really does allow me to relax, but also allow those good ideas to happen as well. So allow yourself to switch off. Yeah, give yourself that opportunity, mm-hmm. even if that's just a walk at lunchtime or going somewhere slightly different at the weekend or giving yourself permission sometimes. If your weekends are normally busy, variety could be just stopping yeah. and sitting on the sofa for a day and not doing because that could be variety for some people. But, you know, our brain needs that. And especially as people that are busy, you know, in our work lives and our and our personal lives, that opportunity for your brain just to settle a little bit. That's where the magic happens. Happens. Wise words indeed. Christine, what's your top tip for 23? Well, my top tip for 23, I'm not in the business world, but I think this applies to the business world mm-hmm. as well as to life in general, is follow your gut. I think that at every stage in my life, whatever move I've made has been a gut instinct, even even though sometimes my head's thinking, well, this isn't, you know, you, it's not a great idea. You know, don't take that risk. But if the nagging gut feeling is there, if you've got a business idea or you want to take your business in a different direction or just just completely scrap everything you're doing and start again, I think if your gut instinct is to do it, then I think follow your gut. And that's what I did. Well, you know, my gut instinct was that I, it was time for me to start a new chapter in my working life yeah. and do lots of different things. And that's turned out for the best, as I knew it would, because all my life when I followed my gut, it has worked out. So I think if you've just got a nagging something going on saying this isn't I'm not going in the right direction. Something has to change. Even if it's scary, my top tip is to follow it. I mean, there's a phrase that was said to me and uh, which I really do think is a great one. And it was the ship is always safest when it's in the harbour. But that's not where a ship is meant to be. Go out on those choppy waters, jump off that cliff, face that challenge and it will work out. So it's follow your instincts and be yeah. brave. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's my tip. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you both. Sorry, Louise. At the start of my business, just as I was deciding that I would leave my very secure job to start a business, a very wise person said to me, jump and the net will appear. And it's the same thing, isn't it? I agree entirely. And it's advice that it's not my advice, but it's words that I've passed on to other people to encourage them to do the thing that has been nagging at their gut. I think we should all pay a little bit more attention to those feelings in in the core of us that kind of keep us awake at night. Totally agree. Wise words from two amazing ladies. So Louise Turner, Christine Talbot, thank you for joining me today on the We Are Wakefield podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wowvy Video. We create quality video content for B2B brands who want more visibility in the marketplace without the extra headache. From live action, animation, 3D, live streaming, and so much more. Visit wowvideo.com. Wowvy Video. Creating content to wow your audience.